and welcome to The Family Planning Files, a podcast developed by the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning. I'm your host, Katherine Atchison. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing the recent Supreme Court decision, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, and what that means for Title X service providers going forward. Our guest today is Jessica Swafford-Marcella, MPA, the current Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Office of Population Affairs and Director of the Office of Adolescent Health at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, or DHHS. She was appointed to these positions in May 2021 after more than 20 years of working in the realm of public policy and reproductive health. Welcome back to the podcast, Ms. Marcella. We're so excited to talk with you again today. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to talk to you all. To start with, can you summarize the Dobbs ruling for our listeners and how it affects sexual and reproductive services availability? Dobbs overturned the constitutional right to abortion, which means that states have flexibility to decide whether abortion care is legal within the state. According to the Washington Post, nearly half of states are expected to ban all or most abortions, with 13 states having already banned abortion within 30 days of the ruling. While this decision is limited to abortion, many of us are and should be concerned about the wider implications for reproductive health care services, including contraception, in vitro fertilization, and sexuality education. Some states may try to use this as a license to enact laws that limit access to these services. Regardless of whether that is the case, experience shows that efforts to undermine access to reproductive health care services can create barriers for health centers and providers delivering care within the Title X program. And it can create uncertainty among patients regarding what services are available. The Title X program continues to require participating agencies to offer high-quality, client-centered, reproductive, and preventive health care, including the full range of contraceptive services, such as access to IUDs and emergency contraception. While Title X funds cannot be used to pay for an abortion, Title X grantees are still required to provide non-directive options counseling, including information on termination of pregnancy and referrals for abortion as requested. This remains true even in states with abortion bans. Overall, the Title X program remains critically important in this moment. The program has for more than 50 years provided access to care for many people who otherwise might not have had access including young people, people of color, immigrants, and people with low incomes. Given these same populations will be most impacted by the Dobbs decision, we expect to see an even greater need for the no or low-cost Title X services the program provides. Are there specific Title X services that are currently impacted by the Dobbs decision? Thank you so much for that overview. Since the Dobbs decision was handed down in June 2022. What specifically has the Office of Population Affairs and the Department of Health and Human Services done to provide guidance and protect reproductive health services? Since the decision came down, OPA has also provided its Title X grantees with detailed guidance on how the Dobbs decision affects their operations. OPA developed a new Title X program handbook that serves as a one-stop reference document for Title X recipients and subrecipients. 
The handbook was posted on the OPA website, shared with grantees via the OPA weekly e-newsletter for grantees, and OPA held a webinar to guide grantees on how to use and navigate the document. OPA has also assisted with a report to the president in response to the July 8th executive order protecting access to reproductive health care services, outlining the office's efforts to ensure everyone has meaningful access to the reproductive health care they choose. Specifically, OPA has provided an additional $2 million in supplemental grants to the Reproductive Health National Training Center and $750,000 to the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning to bolster training and technical assistance for the nationwide network of Title X family planning providers. OPA is also working with the HHS Equity Technical Assistance Center to build equity into our grantees' work in a meaningful way and participating in the development of patient-led counseling performance measures and contraceptive medical diagnostic criteria for contraception. Under last November's final rule, which is also when we last had you on our podcast, Title X sites are now required to provide non-directive options counseling with positive pregnancy tests. Can Title X sites still provide these services? Not only are Title X recipients allowed But per the 2021 Title X rule, Title X recipients are required to offer pregnant clients the opportunity to be provided information and counseling regarding each of the following options, prenatal care and delivery, infant care, foster care or adoption, and pregnancy termination. If requested to provide such information and counseling, Title X recipients must provide neutral factual information, and non-directive counseling on each of the options and referral upon request, except with respect to any option or options about which the pregnant client indicates they do not wish to receive such information and counseling. To get a little bit more in depth about that, are Title X sites allowed to refer patients for pregnancy termination services if that's the patient's desire now? Absolutely. The Title X rule requires recipients to offer pregnant clients information and counseling, and if requested, they're required to provide referral upon request for these services. There are limitations on what abortion counseling and referral is permissible under the statute. A Title X project may not provide pregnancy options counseling, which promotes abortion or encourages persons to obtain abortion, although the project may provide patients with complete factual information about all the medical options and the accompanying risks and benefits. While a Title X project must provide a referral for abortion if requested, which may include providing a patient with a name, address, telephone number, and other relevant factual information, such as whether their provider accepts Medicaid, charges, etc., the project may not take further affirmative action, such as negotiating a fee reduction, making an appointment, providing transportation to secure abortion services for the patient. Does the DOC's decision affect the provision of emergency contraception through Title X service sites or any other forms of contraception? Title X recipients are required to provide a broad range of acceptable and effective medically approved family planning methods, including natural family planning methods, and services, including pregnancy testing and counseling, assistance to achieve pregnancy, 
basic infertility services, sexually transmitted infection services, preconception health services, and adolescent-friendly health services. Emergency contraception is still a part of the required broad range of methods and services and is allowable. So as projects think about the broad range of methods that they offer, emergency contraception can be included. The federal requirement for the broad range of methods and services remains even if the state enacts a conflicting policy. Are Title X service sites allowed to refer patients to other Title X or non-Title X service providers in different states? There are no geographic limits for Title X recipients making referrals for their clients. In fact, Title X recipients are required to provide for coordination and use of referrals and linkages with primary health care providers, other providers of health care services, local health and welfare departments, hospitals, voluntary agencies, and health services projects supported by other federal programs who are in close physical proximity to the Title X site. When feasible, This is all to promote access to services and provide a seamless continuum of care. However, Title X recipients have flexibility to refer clients for services across state lines if necessary. Can residents from outside the state of a particular site or Title X service area still be seen in that particular Title X clinic setting? Not only can they be seen, Title X recipients cannot limit receipt of services to only residents from their states. In addition, Title X recipients can provide services for clients living outside of the community and state that the service site is located in. Title X recipients are required to provide services without the imposition of any durational residency requirement. Many Title X sites implemented telehealth services during the pandemic and continue to utilize them. Does Dobbs affect the ability to provide any services via telehealth? No. Health centers and providers participating in the program can still provide services through telehealth. Title X recipients are required to provide medical services related to family planning in person or via telehealth and necessary referral to other medical facilities when medically indicated. Some Title X sites are in states where abortion is currently legal, but that status may be or is expected to change in a few weeks or months with new legislation or upcoming elections. What does this mean for those sites? Despite the court's decision and the resulting changes in state laws, Title X grantees are required to adhere to federal laws that govern the program, even in states that prohibit abortion. This means grantees who participate in the Title X program are required to adhere to the federal requirements of the Title X 2021 rule, including the requirement to provide non-directive pregnancy options counseling in the event of a positive pregnancy test and client-requested referrals for abortion. If grantees see an increase in patients due to the Dobbs decision, Are they allowed to reallocate funds or apply for more funding in order to provide services? Absolutely. Title X recipients can submit a request for a budget revision via the Grant Solutions Amendment module at any time if they need to reallocate more than 10% of the total budget approved across the various budget categories. The request should contain documentation explaining the need for the budget revision along with a revised budget and revised budget narrative. 
guidance on how to submit a budget revision and grant solutions is on max.gov. Recipients should also discuss any potential reallocation of funds with their project officer and their grants management specialist. I also want to note, OPA is also working to secure additional funding. Unfortunately, we don't have additional funding available at this time to provide to Title X recipients who may experience an influx in clients following the Dobbs decision. But if and when additional funds become available, OPA will share the information with all Title X recipients. Going back to something you mentioned earlier in the podcast, President Biden signed an executive order on July 8th in regard to reproductive health services post-Dobbs. What exactly does that executive order do or mean for Title X services? That's a great question. And I think the way that the executive order outlined the importance of protecting access to reproductive health services, including abortion, is important. And I should note that the executive order also requires that HHS submit a report within 30 days outlining specific actions related to the following. One, how to protect and expand access to abortion care, including medication abortion. Two, how we intend to protect and expand access to the full range of reproductive health services. Three, identifying ways to increase outreach and education about access to reproductive health care, including a public awareness initiative. Four, how we intend to share information about how to obtain free or reduced cost reproductive health care services through Title X and other HRSA-funded health centers. Five, how is the department promoting awareness of and access to the full range of contraceptive services, as well as information for people seeking or providing reproductive health care services? Six, How do we intend to identify steps to ensure that all patients, including pregnant individuals and those experiencing pregnancy loss, such as miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies, receive the full protections for emergency medical care afforded under the law, including considering updates to the current guidance specific to emergency conditions around stabilizing care under EMTALA, and finally seven, how the department intends to provide HHS data regarding the implementation of these efforts. The report to the president will describe the actions OPA has taken in response to Dobbs, including providing Title X grantees with the new handbook detailing the impact of the decision on their operations and the additional funds provided to the Reproductive Health National Training Center and the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning. Finally, Since so many of these changes are different state to state, with states having different laws on abortion, where can individual grantees and service sites go or contact if they have questions about their own local circumstances? You know, it's a good question. If Title X recipients have questions related to the impact of Dobbs on their projects, The first contact should be their respective OPA project officers, and then they should check out the Title X program handbook for further guidance on expectations for all Title X recipients. For questions about DOBS outside the scope of their Title X projects, recipients should contact their private counsel. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ms. Marcella, and for sharing your time and expertise with our listeners. Thank you so much.
For more content, including previous podcast episodes, search for The Family Planning Files or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For a transcript of this podcast, as well as other online learning activities and continuing education opportunities, please visit our website at www.ctcfp.org. You can also follow the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning on Twitter at NCTCFP, all lowercase, or on LinkedIn. You can sign up for our monthly newsletter, Clinical Connections, on our website. The National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning is funded by the Office of Population Affairs to provide continuing education, training, and technical assistance to Title X grantees, subrecipients, and service sites. This activity is supported by DHHS Grant Number 1, FPTPA 00-6031-01-00. The contents of this podcast solely represent the views of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official positions of the Department of Health and Human Services, or DHHS, Office of the Assistant Secretary of Health, or OASH, or the Office of Population Affairs, or OPA. No official support or endorsement by DHHS, OASH, or OPA for opinions or products described in this podcast is intended or should be inferred. Theme music written by Dan Jones and performed by Dan Jones and the Squids. Other production support provided by the Collaborative to Advance Health Services at the University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Nursing and Health Studies. And finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of the Family Planning Files.